Welcome to Woo With Us, a podcast to help you navigate and explore the many topics of spirituality, woo-woo, mysticism, and more. Don't do your spiritual awakening alone. Join us and let's spiritually awaken together. Hey, everybody. We are doing our final episode of the Wheel of the Year. And today we're going to talk about the um, holiday. I say Samhain, but apparently that is not how to pronounce it. So I will tell you, you pronounce it Sawen or Sawen, like cow Sawen. Um, I think that because of their origins, they're just not phonetically the same as how we would pronounce them. Um, so there's a lot of things that I may mispronounce in this episode. So just letting you know, I am no expert. I've just done some basic research. I've tried to help myself with learning the pronunciations, um, but I'm going to probably mess up. So I'm just, I'm just letting you know. Um, the timing for um, Samhain is October 31st through November 1st, if you are living in the Northern Hemisphere. So this is the time that is, you know, associated with like Halloween. Um, it This holiday season is also known as Halloween. Um, the Celtic New Year's Eve, um, November Eve, Feast of the Dead, Feast of Apples, Hallows Eve, All Hallows Eve, Martin Martinmas, which is New Year, Third Harvest, Old Hallowmas, um, and then the Third Harvest and Shadow Fest. So I just thought that some of those were interesting. If you've ever heard of those, they're all in correlation with um, Samhain. Um, and uh, the purpose of this holiday, um, it's been celebrated for hundreds of years, and it's particularly important to um, neo-pagans and Wiccans. Um, it's one of the four greater Sabbaths among the Wiccans and um, one of two spirit nights. Um, the other one is Beltane, which we talked about earlier. Um, it's a time to study the dark mysteries and honor the dark mother, which they consider to be um, Katie um, and dark father. And it's symbolized by the crone and her aged consort. Um, the aid of spirits, guides, and guides from the other world are easily accessible during this time. Um, they talk about the veil being very thin during this time. Um, and so when you are wanting to maybe connect with loved ones that have parted or your guides, um, this is a good time to do that because the veil is thin. And so they think that it's a little bit easier to access people who may be on the other side. Um, with increasing moonlight and longer nights, some use this time to hone their psychic and um, divinatory skills. Um, Samhain is considered a time to celebrate the lives of those who have passed on, to celebrate summer's end, and to prepare for winter months. Um, it involves paying respects to ancestors and family members and elders of faith. Um, you can pay respects to pets that have passed, um, friends that have passed. Um, it's aligned with the um, observance of Halloween and the Day of the Dead. In some traditions, the spirits of the departed are actually invited to attend the festivities. 
Um, I'll talk about it a little bit later, but they will actually set places at the table for um, special loved ones who have passed on. Um, uh, it's seen as a festival of darkness, which is balanced at the opposite point of the wheel by the festival of Beltane, which celebrates the festival of life and fertility. So it shows you again the balance and how everything is cyclical. We do have dark, but we also have light at the other end. Um, many neo-pagans believe that the veil between this world and the afterlife is at its thinnest and that it makes it easier to communicate with the departed. So they've taken advantage of that. Um, it comes from Old Irish, but the word's origin goes back to um, Proto-Indo-European time. In Old Irish, uh, Samhain means summer's end, which, you know, that, that's fitting, that makes sense. Um, it's a deeply re religious time for ma many pagans and Wiccans. It re represents the final harvest and ushers the dark half of the year. Um, uh, there's uh, people who use um, something called, I think it's a bison broom, and it's to sweep away the old energy from the room and to make way for new. Um, in thinking about a lot of these festivals, it, always, it also reminds me of the phases of the moon and where you have, um, I think, the new moon where you're getting rid of, or wait, Maybe the new moon you're bringing something in and the full moon you're letting go. I forget which way it goes, but you're, you have to get rid of something to let something new in. And I think that that's something that we need to remember. I mean, I look at my closet sometimes and I realize how many things I don't wear and I don't need and I need to get rid of. And I think that a good thing for us always to do is if we're going to buy something new, maybe we get rid of something old. This just makes room for something new in our life. Um, it's also a time of year where people put something called Bowen knots. Um, it's a heraldic knot in doorways and other entrances, and it's supposed to ward off bad luck and evil spirits. Um, I found some common rituals during this time of year. Fire rituals were common. It symbolized the beginning of the winter and the end of the harvest season. Um, bonfires, they brought warmth in the midst of cold. And then they also used the um, bonfires to light candles um, and also to light their um, hearths at home. And this was for protection. Um, they would set out cake and milk, and that was for wandering fairies to appease them. Um, they would set a place at the table for a deceased loved one. They would work with divination and oracle, oracles during this time because of the thinning of the veil. Um, they would burn wishes or things that they want to let go of in a cauldron. They would braid a witch's ladder for protection and renewal. They would build altars with um, mementos of deceased loved ones, like their favorite foods, photographs, personal items, candles. Um, and I also found it interesting that, and I hope this isn't what Denise was going to talk about, they would um, carve turnips instead of pumpkins. And I thought that was interesting that that was actually how um, pumpkin carving came to be. They would, they would carve turnips. So I felt that was interesting. 
Um, there are several god-goddess connections uh, during this time of year. In Wiccan traditions, the goddess entered her incarnation of Crone. So she is considered the old one, the earth mother, the wise one that we need to turn to when we're looking for advice. Um, she teaches us that we must let go and move on. I think she also, I would think, would symbolize that getting older isn't a bad thing. And I think sometimes in our culture, we forget that. We think of being older as wrinkles and gray hair. I know that's what I think. And um, instead of it being um, someone who's seasoned in life, you have a lot of experience and you can help the younger generation by giving your experience. So the God of this time was called the Horned One, um, also known as the Stag of Great Antlers, the God of the Wild Hunt. He commits the ultimate sacrifice by being the animal who dies so we can eat during this time. Um, the witch's goddess, um, Hecate, uh, was a Greek goddess, the snake goddess, the lunar goddess, the goddess of the underworld, and it's relate and she is related to this festival. Um, Hecate is the patron goddess of witches and psychics. She's believed to be a powerful witch who can help us see the future. Um, She's the goddess of paths and doorways, um, including those of our faiths. She knows all the doors that are open and shut for us, and she tries to guide us to the right ones. She is a protective deity who can help you, um, keep you safe as she guides you to see your future. And then the sun god and earth, the sun god and earth fall into slumber as nights lengthen and winter begins. Um, culturally, the ancient Celts marked uh, Samhain as the most significant of the four quarterly festivals. Um, uh, hearth fires were left to burn out while the harvest gathered. After the harvest, they would light um, their fires with the community fire. Uh, the wheel represented the sun. Cattle were sacrificed and participants took flame from the communal bonfire back to their home. I already said that. Um, earlier texts represent Samhain as lasting three days and three nights, and the community was actually required to participate, um, and if they didn't, there would be a result of punishment from the gods, usually illness or death, if you didn't participate in the festivities. Um, Celtic countries often left food offerings on altars and doorsteps for the wandering dead, so this is kind of, to me, symbolized um, the Halloween origins that we have now. Um, single candles were lit and left in a window to help guide the spirits of ancestors and loved ones home, which I thought was interesting and probably is very similar to when you pass houses around this time of year and you see one candle in each one of the windows. I never really knew what that was, but this could be why that's to represent um, a way to guide your ancestors and loved ones home during this time. Um, apples were buried along the roadsides and paths for spirits who were lost or who had not descended to their, who had not left yet. It, these buried apples were what gave them food. Um, turnips were hollowed out to look like protective spirits. The wee folk, which are the fairies, pulled pranks on unsuspecting people during this time. So then I think of the night before Halloween, um, I'm forgetting what it's called, but it was where people would go around and they'd pull pranks on everybody. Um, I, I kind of feel like this is that representation from the wee folk going around and um, playing pranks on people. 
um, people dressed in white and wore disguises made of straw or dressed as the opposite sex in order to fool the nature spirits. Again, that correlation between what we do on Halloween with our kids and we dress our kids up, it's, I guess, because they were trying to, back in the day, um, keep themselves hidden from uh, evil spirits. So that's why they would dress up in something different. Um, in Ireland, uh, Samhain was, uh, had a military aspect as holiday thrones were prepared for commanders of soldiers and anyone who committed a crime or used their weapons during the celebration were put to death. Um, in the Middle Ages, bonfires um, were the, um, which were personal Samhain, Samhain fires were closer to the farms became a tradition to protect families from fairies and witches. Um, in Wales, men tossed burning wood at each other in a violent game to set off fireworks, which that's interesting. Good job, guys. Way to be smart. Let's throw lit wood at each other. <laughs> in Northern England, men would parade around with noisemakers. Um, I think that that was probably also um, a way to scare off evil spirits. Um, it didn't say that, but that's what I'm assuming. Wiccans believe this is when God dies and when the goddess reaches her highest power um, and she actually becomes pregnant um, with the God that will be born at Yule. Um, there's something called Dumb Supper that began during this time of year. And I actually will talk about that a little bit later, explain what that is, because I had no idea what that, that was. Sounds weird. Um, food was consumed by a celebrant, um, but only after inviting ancestors to join in. And this gives families a chance to interact with spirits of loved ones that have passed on. Children would play games to entertain the dead and the adults. Um, and uh, the adults would update the dead about the past year's news. And at night, doors and windows uh, would be left open for the dead to come in and eat cakes that were left for them. Um, as Christianity came into the pagan communities, church leaders were trying to get people not to participate in these things. Shocker. Um, so they tried to change the way these things were um, celebrated. So Pope Boniface in the 5th century moved the celebration to May 13th um, and specified this day as a day to celebrate saints and martyrs. It became known as All Saints Day. And in the ninth century, Pope Gregory moved the celebration back to the time of the fire festivals, but declared it as All Saints Day, which is November 1st, and All Souls Day, which followed on November 2nd. Superstition linked uh, to the celebration by the church led people to protect themselves by dressing in frightening costumes and disguises and displaying jack-o'-lanterns to protect them from spirits that they considered evil. In the British Isles, young people would disguise themselves with hideous masks and walk through the village, lighting their way with lanterns made from carved turnips. Um, cattle were slaughtered to provide for the upcoming winter months. Crops still on the farm at this time or in the field were considered to be taboo and left for nature spirits. So if you didn't harvest your full um, field after this, you weren't allowed to touch it. It was considered taboo and it was for the nature spirits. Um, bonfires I found were originally called bone fires because after feasting, bones were thrown into the fire as offerings for healthy and plentiful livestock in the new year and stones were marked with people's names. And then they would actually retrieve those stones um, that were in the fire once the fire was burnt 
and the condition of the stones would tell you what your future had to hold. So I'm guessing if your stone looked really bad, you would have a bad year ahead of you. Um, ashes from the village of Bonfire were spread over the harvested field to protect and bless the land. Now for us, how can we celebrate Samhain? Um, the biggest theme during this uh, time of holiday is to remember to honor those that have passed on. Um, I think that's important and I don't think we do that enough as a culture. Um, I think that once we bury our dead, sometimes they're kind of forgotten. Uh, some people do. Um, I know that for me, you know, my dad passed away in April 6th and I tend to use that day and his birthday as a time to remember him. Not that I don't remember him any other time, but this is just a time that I set aside for him. And I think it's kind of important. It helps keep us connected to um, people who have passed. So you can leave offerings like garlic, wine, honey, or bread in nature. You can leave offerings at ancestors' graves. Um, you can burn the offerings or bury the offerings. You can do an act of devotion um, that the spirit of the loved one would have appreciated, like a prayer, a song, a dance, an act of worship. Um, you can do some kind of artwork that they would have appreciated, um, charity work during this time, or spending time with your family. Um, for ancestors that are considered problematic, you can choose to do acts of devotion to cancel out their misdeeds from their life. Um, so if you have an ancestor, this is their example, who is racist, offering time or money to improve the lives of people of color would be a good act of devotion. So I think that's kind of an important thing that I never really thought of before was actually doing something in honor even of ancestors who maybe weren't so good or didn't always do good things. We can do things to maybe kind of alleviate those misdeeds from our ancestors. And, and I kind of feel like that is kind of like ancestral work a little bit. You know, we're doing something in honor of our ancestors to maybe kind of right some of those wrongs. Um, leaving toys out for children who passed away, calling on um, Hakadi. Um, so you would draw like a circle of protection around you. You would burn incense or cleanse the room or use singing bowls. Um, and then you call on her guidance. And then you can do this ritual anytime until mid-November. Um, you're most likely to receive not straightforward messages about your future, but you'll notice signs like omens and thoughts that come to you during this ritual, which is often how we can communicate with our guides and our loved ones. Um, and then carrying crystals like amethyst or making tea with herbs like mugwort, black tea, and chamomile can help strengthen your intuition. Uh, during this ritual, you should have a dog statue, which they didn't really go into detail about why a dog statue, but I just thought this was interesting. On the other side of the door that you're using to guard and keep out evil, and then you place a mirror opposite of you um, that you're looking into. And then you step into another room with a candle and you light your candle, you hold it while you close your eyes, and then you prepare to look in the mirror. Make sure that you have all your lights off, you must be in the dark. And then you direct your energy to the dog statue, which you are relating to as the goddess. Um, and you're saying, you know, hey, Katie, through this dog statue, protect me. And then you listen your intuition for whatever comes. If you don't feel safe, don't continue. 
and you gaze into the mirror with a soft gaze and allow yourself to see whatever the mirror is trying to show you. And then you feel your emotions, consider your thoughts that come into your head. If you see nothing, then you may find that your visions will come to you later or in your sleep. So don't think it's a bummer if you don't get anything right away. Another thing you can do is set uh, Samhain intentions. Um, so we can uh, write down our intentions so we can kind of work out what we desire and then allow spirit to see your desires clearly and then ask for what you want and avoid negativity in your intentions, which is something that I found doing some research on doing intentions. You're not focusing on what you don't want. Don't say, don't give me this or I can't do this or don't use don't, not, or can't in your intentions. Make sure you're right, your intentions in a present tense, almost like you have it already. Like I, I am grateful that I have this wonderful job or I am grateful that I have this beautiful house or whatever. Um, keep your intentions stick, simple and stick to the facts. Make sure to include gratitude for what you desire as if you already have it. So here's some good intentions uh, during this time. Um, anything that helps you to have a better connection with spirit or God, um, getting in touch with your intuition, becoming a better version of yourself, harvesting your hard work, having stronger energy, being surrounded by positive energy, and being ready for the gifts of the universe. Um, meditating or finding a way to enter a state of calm. And then you're reading your intentions. And then you set your intentions um, out by burning your intentions with a candle. Um, and then you can use a candle that actually represents, uh, the color represents what your intentions are. So white is used for magic, It's kind of the blank slate. If you don't really know what candle to burn, white's always good. Black banishes and absorbs negativity and is good for protection. Brown is good for home protections and good for um, animal spells. Red is good for love spells and uh, vital energy and strength. Pink is good for romantic love and emotional healing. Um, orange is good to invoke uh, ambition and creativity. Yellow is good for intelligence <clears throat> and success at school. Green is good for money, growth, health, and luck. Blue is good for peace and patience and emotional healing. Purple is good for psychic powers and divination. Silver is good for moon and psychic receptivity. And gold is used for sun, confidence, and willpower. And then if you are wanting to create an altar, here are some things that uh, would be good to include in your altar. Gourds, apples, black cats, jack-o'-lanterns, um, besoms, the, the brooms that I talked about sweeping away the negative energy, antlers, acorns, pine cones, phallic symbols, red flowers, and cups. And then um, colors like black, orange, white, red, silver, and gold. Um, some herbs are like allspice, catnip, chrysanthemums, mugwort, mint, thyme. Um, traditional foods include like ale, apples, beef, beets, breads, cakes, cider, corn, wine, tea. Um, poultry, pumpkin pie, turnips, um, some incense that you could light in your altar, lilac, copal, clove, mint, myrrh, sandalwood. And then um, here's some stones, aquamarine, jet, obsidian, 
black tourmaline, white onyx, labradorite, amber, yellow jasmine, and hematite. And then I found that there were a couple monsters that were related to this time based on culture. So Puka was a shape-shifting creature who receives um, harvest off offerings from the fields. Um, Lady Gwyn is a headless woman dressed in white who chases night wanderers and has a black pig. Um, the fairy host is a group of hunters who would kidnap people during Samhain and slug would come from the west and enter houses to steal souls. So I just thought that some of these were interesting in case you'd ever heard of any of them. This is their origin. Do you have anything? Hopefully I didn't give away your stories. Do you have anything to uh, offer up? Yes. So the one thing that you were like, oh, I hope this isn't one of them. It kind of is related to that, but it's very different. So okay. I found a list. Um, it's from the Irish Post. I have no idea if this is really true or not, but I thought it was kind of fun. Um, you know, they say with all the pop culture costumes and fancy dress ups, it's easy to forget that Halloween has an ancient Celtic history. So since the Irish people have long celebrated Samhain or Samhain or whatever, however we're pronouncing it, um, they put out seven facts, like kind of spooky, eerie facts about the history of it. So the first one, it says they're thought to have invented, quote unquote, the zombie. So back before Christianity kind of came over Ireland and did away with paganism, Samhain promoted scary stories about the living dead. And one of the tales was about a dead man returning from the underworld to burn people to death after lulling them to sleep. So apparently they invented the zombie. Another one was that it was said that children were actually sacrificed. So each Samhain, the people of one particular Irish village would sacrifice two thirds of their children, their corn and their milk to the supernatural. According to another historical writing, um, Samhain in ancient Ireland was associated with a god or an idol called Crom Crouch. And it was said that the firstborn child would be sacrificed at the stone idol of Crom Crouch every Samhain. So to me, reading that is kind of like, okay, maybe the Christian and the religious people came in and made that story up to make the pagans sound horrible. So that may or may not be true. And here's the one that was kind of associated with what you mentioned, because you said, oh, they used to um, decorate turnips before pumpkins. Well, this one says that it actually might have been human heads. Yeah. So they believe that some Celtic warriors would actually behead their enemies and mount their heads on poles to protect their villages from evil. And so instead of actually doing that, they then started carving scary pumpkins and turnips and rutabagas to protect them from evil because they no longer were, you know, cutting people's heads off. Um, obviously, we talked about inventing the Halloween costume, but I think this, the way they put it was that people would dress up to not to confuse the spirits, well, to protect them from spirits, but to try and match the evil spirits so that the evil spirits would just like assume that they were the same as them. 
they weren't actually humans. So that's why they did it. Um, obviously it was stolen by Christianity, right? They stole it and made it All Saints Day. So that was uh, number five on the list. Number six was that they, they invented trick or treat. So I guess both, they really didn't go and ask for like treats or anything back in the day, but um, they called it guising. And that was the act of going from door to door in disguise. And it was practiced throughout Ireland, Scotland, and Wales as early as the 1500s. And then later in the 19th century, apparently it was a tradition for a man covered in a white sheet carrying a decorated horse skull to lead a group of kids blowing on cow horns from farm to farm. And the concept of moving from place to place dressed as a demonic being eventually evolved into the modern trick or treat, right? So they just made it more fun, I guess, more palatable. Um, and obviously um, it's still celebrated today. A lot of them um, praise dead in small shrines, and uh, write deathly songs and poems and things like that. So those are just a few interesting facts um, about where some of the things may, may or may not have come from. So take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> I always think it's funny to look at some of these. I mean, I do think there's some truth to it. You know what I mean? It came from somewhere. So, you know, maybe they're a little bit closer to the truth of where the stuff came from. It's just, it's cool to hear you know, a different side of it, where it came from, what they thought, these crazy thoughts that people had when they didn't know that the earth was round. What yeah. would happen to you if you kept sailing to the horizon, you would just fall off the earth. And, you know, I mean, they did the best that they could with what they knew. And at the time, that's what they knew, you know? So I don't know. That's cool. Yeah. yeah I think that you will find a lot of our the current things that we do, they come from something, you know, from back then we've just twisted it into what it is now, you know? So it's cool. I don't know. I have to say that that's probably one of my favorite times. And I do get into all the scary stuff. I like scaring myself and watching scary movies and whatever during that time of year. So I don't know. I enjoy fall. I like fall. Yeah. I'm a spring summer girl myself. I, I love spring. I'm, I'm right there with you. I like the off months, you know, I don't want it to be too hot. I don't want it to be too cold. I just want it to be right in the middle. Exactly. I agree. Well, that's it. We're, we've wrapped up the wheel of the year. I hope you guys have learned a lot. I hope that you have come up with some ideas of how to bring this stuff into your life. Um, every day. And, um, and if nothing else, it just made you think about stuff. So I guess we'll talk to you next week with something else new. So see you then. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. Your support is so important to us and we'd really appreciate you giving us a rating and subscribing to our podcast so you never miss an episode and you help us reach more souls. Thank you.